0: Well, uh, let me invite you to grab a Bible if you've got one handy, Uh, or even if you haven't, why don't you go and grab a Bible and turn with me to Luke chapter 15, and uh, if we've not met before, my name is Charlie, I'm one of the vicars here, and as we come to God's Word together, why don't we pray? Lord Jesus, we ask that as we hear from your Word this morning, that your Holy Spirit would enable it to come alive and speak to each one of us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I think we'd all uh, say that last year, 2020, was pretty bleak, wasn't it? But there must have been moments of joy. And I wonder what it was that brought you joy last year, and what you're hoping for this year that will bring you joy. Uh, Or put the question another way, what is bringing heaven joy, and how can we share the joy of heaven? Assuming that there is joy in heaven, which kind of by definition, heaven must be the most joyful place there is, how can we share in the joy of heaven? Uh, we're praying, as uh, Martin and Emily have just said, the Lord's Prayer, Thy Kingdom Come, 11.02 each morning over these weeks. And in that prayer, we pray, Your Kingdom Come on earth as it is in heaven. Well, if there's joy in heaven, how can we have that joy on earth as it is in heaven? Well, in our uh, reading for this morning, in Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells us what causes joy in heaven and how we can share in it as well. So would you uh, like to just look down at Luke chapter 15, verse 1, and I'm going to read the parable of the lost sheep. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering round to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I've found my lost sheep. I tell you, Jesus says, that in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Now, we're spending these uh, next few weeks just working our way through this Luke chapter 15, a really famous chapter in which Jesus tells these amazing three uh, parables, three sort of short, punchy stories with a message. The parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And we're looking at the lost sheep this morning, and we can see that the point of Uh, Jesus' story. The theme of it, it's all about joy. Did you notice joy running all the way through the parable? Three times in verse 5, the shepherd joyfully puts the sheep on his shoulders. Verse 6, he gathers his friends and neighbors together to share in his joy. And he sums up verse 7, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven, literally more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. Uh, So, but before we get to this uh, parable and look at the parable of the lost sheep, did you notice the setup In verses 1 and 2, Luke tells us who it was who was listening and gathering around listening to Jesus. There were two groups of people. On the one hand, in verse 2, there were the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Now, the Pharisees get a bit of a bad rep quite often, um, but really, all the Pharisees were, they were just people who took their faith incredibly seriously. They were people who wanted to obey the Bible as much as they could in order to be able to do their hardest to please God, which, although, as we'll see, perhaps was a flawed ambition. It was certainly a noble ambition to want to be as zealous as they could for their faith. That was one group of people. The other group of people, in verse 1, were the tax collectors. They've never been particularly popular in any society. And the sinners, which kind of is self-explanatory. Fill in the blanks. Use your imagination what they got up to. So here are these two groups of people listening. And perhaps there are two groups of us uh, listening in to Jesus uh, 2,000 years later here today. Maybe you're in the one group. On the one hand, these are the keen bean Christians. These are the uh, wholehearted, church attending, Bible in one year reading, prayer meeting attending, St. Mark's fully paid up subscribed members giving every month, the serious religious zealots. Or on the other hand, maybe you're in the category of those who The pubs weren't open last night, but if they were, maybe you were in there uh, getting up to all sorts of things that you wouldn't want your mum to find out about. Those were the two groups of people. And was there joy? Well, not for the religious people. There was no joy. Did you notice in verse 2, who didn't have joy? It was the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. They were muttering. What are these sinners doing here listening to Jesus? Now we might be thinking, well, I wouldn't be muttering. Uh, you know, isn't everybody? Surely everybody's welcome in church. It's great that there are all sorts of people here. I wouldn't be muttering. Well, what about if we swapped this in? You know, imagine that this wasn't St Mark's Battersea Rise, but imagine we were at St Mark's uh, Washington DC, and imagine that if our amazing Martin and Emily, the multi-talented Martin and Emily, um, decided to take themselves off down to the Trump protest. And imagine they just were mingling around at the rally and actually just sort of getting talking to people and making friends. And as the protesters who'd been storming the Senate, you know, kind of came out of the building, maybe they just sort of got chatting and actually invited them back to the vicarage for afternoon tea. And they wouldn't be allowed to because it would be against social distancing. But just imagine... And imagine you were just going around to drop off your Christmas card or something. A bit late for that. But imagine you were just popping around to the vicarage. No answer at the door. Knock, knock, knock. And you can tell there's a bit of a party going on the side. You poke your head in the window, and there is a packed sitting room full of Trump protesters. And Martin and Emily are there giving them afternoon tea. And they're all in their silly little red baseball caps, saying, make America great again. Can you imagine? I think we might mutter. I think some of us might say, verse 2, what are they doing? welcoming sinners and eating with them. And imagine if you were helping out on the next Alpha course was kicking off, and there in your group is Nigel Farage. I mean, that's the kind of context. What is he doing here? How dare he? That's the context into which Jesus tells this great story. And it is a brilliant story, even for Londoners, who we've never probably seen a sheep up close, or much less known a shepherd. Uh, It's a great story, all about the shepherd. He's got 100 sheep. He loses one and he goes off. And we probably, our mind just goes wild with filling in the blanks with, you know, in my head, I kind of picture almost like it's wet and windy and it's almost like the Scottish Highlands. Probably not what Jesus had in mind with his shepherd. But there's the sheep and it's caught in the briars there. And the lost uh, sheep gets found by the great shepherd who slings it over his shoulder and he gathers him back, brings him back to the fold. And verse six calls all of his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found the lost sheep. And he's making a point to the sinners. And he's saying, look, this is the gospel. I am the good shepherd. If you will let me find you and rescue, me, rescue you and bring you back into the fold, then that's what I'm all about. But he's also making a point to the religious types. Because he's saying to them, well, look, finding these lost sheep, that's what I'm all about. This is what brings me joy. This is, in fact, what brings heaven joy. In fact, more joy, provocatively, than all of the rest of the sheep put together. And so Jesus is saying to them, does it bring you joy? Well, as we get into it then, how can both groups of us gathered here this morning, how can we allow this parable to bring us more joy in 2021? And I think there are four things in here that we need to know, four things that Jesus wants to tell us, four kind of ingredients, if you like, in the recipe for a joyful year, four pillars to build a year of joy. Four things. Firstly, Jesus is telling us that we need to know that without Him, without Jesus, we're lost. Without Jesus, we are lost. Now that might not sound particularly joyful, I suppose, but you know if we are lacking joy, we've got to know the reason why. And Jesus here, he compares us to sheep and I've got to be honest. It's not a particularly flattering comparison to be compared to a sheep. We might think, oh, Jesus is you know he's saying we're all a bit like sheep. Well, isn't that nice? He thinks we're all nice and cute and fluffy like a sheep. Actually, the point he's making is we're like sheep. We are stupid, and we get ourselves lost. That's his point. It's the point that Isaiah made. He famously said, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. It's what we pray in the confession. We pray, we have strayed from your ways like lost sheep and elsewhere in the gospels it says that jesus you know when he looked out at the at the crowds and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd and how easily that could describe our own day couldn't it people in london in 2021 harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd we need to know that without jesus we're lost a couple of weeks ago, Hannah and I were driving past uh, a church and it had uh, a great big banner outside printed and hung up on the railings and it had their slogan. And the slogan was, find yourself, find friends, find faith. I thought that was you know, nice and snappy. But I was reflecting on it afterwards and later on I thought, I'm not actually sure whether that's, whether that's the right way round. I don't mean to be mean about other churches, but find yourself. I'm not actually sure really whether that is the message of Christianity. I think what Jesus, the point he's making here is Christianity is not self-help. We can't find ourselves. We're lost without Jesus. We need the shepherd. And maybe that's you this morning. And maybe it's actually a release to acknowledge and admit to ourselves, actually, you know what, I am a bit lost. And maybe it's even been our New Year's resolution. Maybe this year, I'm going to find God. You know, That's going to be our 2021 New Year's resolution, find God. Well, the, the thing is, that God isn't the one who's lost and in need of finding. Jesus' point is, we're the ones who are lost and who need the good shepherd to come and find us. But that leads us on to the second thing we need to know. Firstly, without Jesus we're lost. But secondly, to him, we are individually precious. We're individually precious. And what I can't get over about this parable, to be honest, is the, the, fact, the fact that the shepherd actually bothers to go after the one. Yeah, I think if I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, well, 99 out of 100, that's pretty good. 99%, that's pretty high. I think if I was a shepherd, you know, and I lost one sheep, I'm not sure I'd be all that fast. To be honest, I'm not sure I'd even notice. I mean, it'd be a nightmare counting them, wouldn't it? I mean, trying to count, was it 99? Was it 100? I'm not even sure. You know, it's famously counting sheep. It's a way to put yourself to sleep, isn't it? How does he even know that one is missing? Well, this isn't any old shepherd, this is the good shepherd. And as Jesus says elsewhere in John chapter 10, the good shepherd knows his sheep by name. How does he know one's missing? Because he knows that sheep. He knows it's missing. He knows his name. And if you're watching today, and you're feeling a little bit spiritually lost, and you're wondering, well, does God even see me? Does he even know I'm here? Does he even care? Well, Jesus is saying in this parable that you are individually precious to him. He knows you by name. I can't get over the fact that he leaves the 99 behind him. Look at verse 4. You know, it's almost a rhetorical question, isn't it? Suppose you lose a sheep. Jesus asked, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one lost lost sheep until he finds it? I'm sort of almost thinking, well, no, I'm not sure whether they do. But Jesus does. He leaves 99 behind to just go after one. And we sing this song at St. Mark's sometimes, Reckless Love. And it's all about this parable. And sometimes people have asked, well, I'm mm, not sure about reckless love. I'm not sure reckless is really a, uh, a word I'd want to use to describe the love of God. It seems like a bit of a kind of careless kind of a love. Well, as you read this parable and you think, well, Jesus actually is happy to leave 99 just to go after one." that's pretty reckless, that's pretty extraordinary, it's extravagant, isn't it? And he wouldn't do that unless you were so precious to him. He goes off to find the lost sheep, and you can just your mind is just filling in the blanks, isn't it? Imagining, he's climbing up hills, he's going down, but he's checking under the bush, he's looking everywhere for ages, until relentlessly he pursues this sheep and he finds it. And when he finds the lost sheep, he doesn't sort of fold his arms and lecture us, he doesn't sort of say, oh, well, there you are, got yourself lost again. No, he doesn't get his stick out and beat us home. He doesn't get a rope out and stick it around our neck and drag us off home. No, verse 5, when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and carries it home. What an incredible picture of divine love. We're individually precious. Thirdly, we need to know, third pillar, we need to know the joy of repentance, the joy of repentance, and you know, when Jesus tells this parable, actually we don't need to guess, really, at his interpretation, and we don't have to sort of wonder, what is he talking about? He tells us what he means. He's talking about repentance. Look at verse 7. He says, I tell you that in the same way as the story I've just told about the sheep, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over what? One sinner who repents than over 99 just like the sheep back in the, in the fold, the 99 don't need to repent. Well, the one sinner repenting. So when Jesus says, in other words, one lost sheep being found equals one sinner repenting. Your repentance is massive. Repentance is how we become a Christian. And repentance is what we need to do to keep going as a Christian. We're all sheep. We're all to tempted to get lost again and again every day. We constantly need to repent. And repentance is saying, well, I'm not going to go my way. I'm going to go Jesus' way. It's a total turning around. It's a total all-in of following Jesus and denying ourselves and going all after him. And the tax collectors and the sinners in verse 1 who are gathered around listening to Jesus, they're under no illusions about what repentance and discipleship involves. He's just told them, if you've got a Bible open, you can see the previous section at the end of chapter 14. is all about the cost of being a disciple. I mean, he's just said in 14, verse 27, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me, in other words, Anybody who is not willing to actually go all in can't be my disciple. Jesus, he demands repentance. It's all or nothing. We can't slot our Christianity into our diary alongside our gym membership or our HelloFresh subscription or something. It's not a lifestyle choice. Repentance means a complete turning around to follow Jesus. But when sinners repent, that's when there's joy. That's when there's joy for Jesus. That's when there's joy in heaven. You're in our office, Sarah Spreckley's got this little bell on her desk. And anytime uh, anything really good news comes in, maybe an email comes in to tell us about some answer to prayer or some good news or something like that, Sarah Spreckley just says, stop everybody, and she rings the little bell, and we have a little celebration. In fact, the bell says Prosecco on it. I've never actually seen Prosecco appear when uh, the bell's been rung. But we all have, whenever something good happens like that, we ring the bell, and there's a little celebration. Well, imagine the celebration going off in heaven. When Jesus says there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents, that's a huge part. There's bells going off, there's fireworks, there's corks popping. The joy of repentance. But fourthly and finally, and most challenging of all, the fourth pillar in in this, for foundations for a joyful year next year, Jesus wants us to hear the call to participation. The challenging call to participation. It's an incredibly challenging passage because there's challenge everywhere in here. I mean, Jesus, he's challenging us. Anybody who thinks we've got it all sorted, there's a challenge in here. Actually, maybe we're a little bit lost, if we'll be real and honest. Yeah, I can't help but think that Jesus has kind of got his tongue in his cheek as he lands up the section, verse 7. He says, uh, you know, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people. Who don't need to repent. Well, who's that? I think Jesus might be saying to some of those religious keen beans, actually, do you not need to repent? Maybe there is, if you're honest, a little bit of repentance that needs to happen in your own life. Well, it's challenging because Jesus is encouraging us to join in, he's encouraging us to get our hands dirty and muck in ourselves. You know, actually, being a shepherd in Jesus' day is not a particularly glamorous job. Uh, it was dirty, it was smelly, it was low paid. When Jesus actually said, I'm the good shepherd, it's almost like he was saying, you know, I'm the good bin man. And actually, it was a lowly thing, which kind of makes sense when you consider that this was a savior who was born in a barn and rode a donkey and washed people's feet. This was humble, the good shepherd. So Jesus is being incredibly provocative in verse 4. Look at verse 4. He doesn't say, when he kicks off the parable, he doesn't say, imagine there's a shepherd with a hundred sheep and he loses one of them. He doesn't say that. He says, verse 4, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one. Suppose you. He doesn't say, imagine a shepherd goes off to find the lost sheep. He says, suppose you went off to go and find the lost sheep. He's being deliberately provocative. All these pristine, clean Pharisees in their religious clothes. He's saying, well, maybe you ought to get yourself a little bit mucky. Get your hands dirty. And get involved in the search for the lost sheep. And I wonder whether there's a challenge to us this morning in that whether we are willing to get our hands dirty and go out and find the lost sheep ourselves. You know, a couple at St. Mark's, uh, uh, some, some people work at CBRE, and uh, they've got a workplace alpha, it's kicking off tomorrow night, 6 o'clock, and they've invited all their colleagues. They've got 19 <laughs> guests coming along. And they're just saying, come and ask the big questions. Come and join Alpha. What an amazing thing. And I wonder whether that's a challenge to some of us. Maybe we could start a workplace, Alpha. It's not very difficult. It's maybe a little bit embarrassing. to Say, would you like to come along and hear about the message of Jesus? Put on the videos. Have a conversation. But who knows what might happen. Maybe lost sheep would get found. But ultimately, this is challenging. Because Jesus says to these muttering Pharisees, he says to them, this is where I get my joy. And in brackets, in other words, where do you get yours? This is what brings me joy. This is what, there's more rejoicing in heaven over lost sheep being found, over sinners repenting than all the other sheep put together. And I wonder whether we, verse 6, when he says to us, rejoice with me, are we rejoicing with Jesus? Is our joy coming from lost sheep being found? Is our joy from sinners coming to repentance? Or are we getting more joy somewhere else. You know, I started by saying, well, 2020 has been a bleak year. But there have been moments of joy. And for me, when I think of moments of joy, well, 2020 was a year in which I became a father. And little Fred, Hannah, gave birth to the most beautiful bundle of joy I've ever seen. And so I think of a moment of joy, 4 o'clock in the morning in the Chelsea and Westminster Hotel, sitting on a hospital bed, holding newborn Frederick James Thompson in my arms and texting everybody, WhatsApping pictures of him to everybody I could remotely think of who would be interested in listening at four o'clock in the morning, that Fred's been born, we've got a new baby boy. What a moment of joy. But it was also a year in which my best mate became a Christian. And my mate Sam, we've known each other, we've been best mates since we were probably about 14 or 15, who's my best man at our wedding a few years ago. And for all of that time, I've been praying for him. Others have been praying for him. He probably well, he would. He described himself all through those years as being a bit of a lost sheep. But 2020 was a year in which he decided, well, he, he went and did an alpha course, and my brother-in-law actually invited him along and he said, "Well, why don't you come and do alpha?" And I think he only went really to shut him up. He'd been pestering him, and he thought, "Well, I'll go and do this alpha, and maybe that'll appease him." He wasn't expecting anything. But you know what he discovered there? He encountered the good Shepherd. And he gave his life to Jesus. And he allowed the shepherd to sling him over his shoulders and carry him home. When I think of a moment of joy of 2020, well, just before Christmas, sitting in my car with our family, along with 499 other cars at Cheltenham Racecourse. All the churches in Cheltenham got together and they did carols by car light in an enormous car park. So they had 500 cars at 5 o'clock, 500 cars at 7 o'clock, watching an enormous TV screen, and there's, on the side of a lorry was the stage, and you tune your car radio in to listen to a carol service. And at that carol service, in front of thousands of people, my mate, my, my mate Sam stood up and said, I was in darkness. And the light shone in, I tried Alpha, I met Jesus, and I've given my life to him. And I'm about to go home and have lunch with Hannah now, and I think there might be a raised eyebrow at the possibility that the biggest highlight of 2020 might not have been the birth of our first child. But I think I know which of those two moments brought more joy in heaven. And Jesus tells us in verse 7, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need to repent. Well, let's pray that we'd see more of that in 2021. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the good shepherd. That as that song says, there's no valley you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after us. You chase us down. You fight till we're found. We, you leave the 99 behind to come after just us. And we're so sorry, we do. We stray from your ways like lost sheep. Those of us who aren't Christians are maybe just weighing this up, Lord, would you help us to see that without you, we are lost. And those of us who think we've got it all together, Lord, we know actually deep down that every day we're tempted to go, go astray, go our own way, wander away from you, but you value us so much. Your love for us is so great that you chase us down. And when you find us, you sling us over your shoulders and carry us home. And so I pray, Lord, that you'd warm our hearts afresh with that amazing news of the gospel. Thank you that you're the good shepherd. Help us to follow you. The Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. You make us lie down in green pastures. You lead us beside still waters. You restore our souls. And Lord, I pray that 2021 would be a year in which you help us to hear the challenge like those Pharisees needed to hear, that maybe we need to roll up our sleeves and get our hands dirty and join in the search. Help us to hear that challenge so that there would be more rejoicing in heaven and on earth in 2021. For the glory of your name we pray. Amen.